0: You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. Yes, folks, and here we are today in July. Yay! The sun is not shining. It's cloudy where I am. It's warm. Kids are off school. I'm trying to find something positive. (laughs) As it always happens, we always have great guests here. And my next guest, or this week's guest, I should say is been on a show a few times um he is a man with words of wisdom Brian Kennedy Brian is a consultant he helped a lot of people in Ireland uh, to deal with burnout stress and life work balance is probably his best forte at the moment which a lot of CEOs a lot of mothers a lot of fathers a lot of people in work are suffering from some sort of anxiety and brian is a man that helps people get through it and why does he do it we're going to find out that he was a workaholic he got burnt out himself and no better man to tell people what to do when you've experienced (laughs) it yourself brian
1: welcome back how are you i'm good joe thanks a million yeah yeah being positive it's um a little bit sunny where i am now at the moment a little bit it's coming through the sky so all good thanks for having me back i appreciate it the one one of
0: the things as well as you know we've had you on with different hats on over over the maybe since 2019 with you know banking and business what well, your real passion is as i said in the in the beginning of the show is helping people with burnout and stress what causes burnout what causes stress is it people thinking they need to go more than they're capable of and fear of getting fired or found out or imposter
1: syndrome or what is it Brian it's all of that Joe. and um, you have to you have to kind of sit down with the people and ask them some open questions really to find out about their life journey their childhood uh, their learned behaviors what's going on in their life at the moment And, you know, sitting there and listening to people without interrupting and hearing them tell you their story, then you can actually, you know, put something together by asking the appropriate questions that allow those people to identify the stressors. And then you can put a plan in place to be able to help them work through. What I've done really in the last specifically two years is to try to help people at all levels in, if we just talk about work, just work for the moment, not to walk away from well-paid jobs. Even though we have all this, you know, the great resignation going on and all that kind of stuff. It's, they're worried that if they walk away from a job, will they get a similar job at the same pay with the same benefits? And the question that I always ask them is, well, why are you willing to walk away? What can we do that can help you slow down, be more in the moment, identify why you're feeling that way and what tools can I give you to be able to continue in that role and not suffer burnout? Because let's, let's be fair, we all have stress in all parts of our lives. You know you have your 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 personal relationships and your personal life and you have your work life um, and there's no point in people sitting there thinking I'm gonna have a life without stress how we react to the stress because stress for us is you know a coping mechanism a survival mechanism we had it when we were cavemen and cave women stuff and um, it's our fight or flight what are we going to do and because we're living our lives at 100 mile an hour we react in the wrong way we make poor judgments and then we are pointing for a future that may never occur because we're not slowing down in the present to be able to address all of those things that are going wrong and you know stress you can have stress you know in your mind in your body as I said, overall in your life. But if you don't address it, it will, without being <laughs> too melodramatic, it will ruin your life. Yeah.
0: And, and, yeah, stress and anxiety will destroy people's lives. You talked about, you know, people wanting to leave jobs. Like people will say, I want to leave a job because I need more money. Or, but most people, if you really go past the money thing, there is something which is bubbling inside that's why they want to leave that job they may feel that they're not fulfilling what they their need it may be that they they are not getting on with their boss or they feel undervalued or it may be a case of you know self esteem low self esteem and they need they and which which amuses me in a way that people leave one job and because they're sick of it and they hate it but they go into the identical job somewhere else with the same stuff it's their framework their pattern in their own you know habits and self-belief and discipline and then that job comes like the old job and they leave that then as well and we we talk now that you know companies need to adapt where you and me you know, we stayed in companies for 10 years, 15 years, and that was the norm. And if you left a company in three years and change every time, you weren't reliable. But now that's the norm, and they want people to be like that to gain experience. So going back to the stress element of it, I, you're right there where you said in the beginning, you have to go back and look at the person, look at all the triggers that caused them to be the people that they are today.
1: So take, again, just the work environment is, what is the work environment like that you're working in? What's expected of you? Do you really know what's expected of you? What's your boss like? What's your day like? Walk me through a day. What's, you know, what is it that you love doing in your job? If you were to take a sheet of paper and write down um, and do a journal for a week, and as you're working away, you write down on the left-hand side of the page all the things that you love doing, and you wrote on the right side of the page all the things that you absolutely hated doing or that went wrong for you in the job. And at the end of the week, sit there and look at that and see, well, how many things that I love about my job? Gives you an idea whether you're in the right job or not, okay? But the challenges really are, you know, the deadlines that people are set Interruptions, the challenges, the mixed messages that people receive in a job can be down to the type of a boss that you're working for. Okay. Not the overall culture of the organization. You can hear stories about, you know, um X Bank or X Company has a fantastic culture. But if you go in and you know you know this yourself as a, as you know as a an experienced consultant you can go into a business and you can go into two different teams and you can find that one team are extremely happy and love working for the for the company and you go into the other team across the hall or whatever and they they hate the company and they think the culture is terrible and the the denominating factor is what is their boss like what type of of way are they being managed and everybody turns around and says, well, you know, I want to be managed by Joe Dalton. Can I get into Joe's team? Cause Joe is empathetic and he's clear in his communication and he puts his arm around people and he tells them what a great job they're doing and asks them, what can he do to help them be more successful? Okay. As opposed to a person who sits down with them, once every 60 days and only tells them the things that they did wrong. Okay. And adds to the stress of the people in, in the job. So they're not getting any guidance and then they, there's nobody asking you how you're doing about the personal matters that might be going wrong outside of work. So I've worked in organizations where I've heard people say, uh, leave your personal life at the door when you come into the office and That's a different culture. That's not an Irish culture of management. It never has been. People were always, as far as I was concerned, interested in what was going on in Joe Dalton's life. So if Joe is happy, then his work is going to be better. If Joe can come and tell us he has a problem, we can support him, Joe's work is going to be better. But if you tell people to leave their personal lives at the door, they're going to be miserable. And then what's going to happen is when work is miserable and when you're not getting on and when you're worrying about your job, you're going to bring that home and your relationship and your personal life is going to be miserable. And, you know, it's a it's a vicious circle that all the managers have to be mindful of and have to really tune into people and ask them how they're doing regularly. And not just, you know, on a, a scheduled one-to-one every 60 days. Or well, okay. Then
0: Would you think there is a wellness crisis within or in some organizations? And they're trying to fix that with, you know, mindful days or events, but it needs to go deeper. And is it a case that, needs to be addressed because the leadership structure the old leadership structure which is based around the industrial age is now collapsing and a new leader structure needs to be implemented for the 21st century and
1: beyond i think there's a lot of box ticking exercises going on out there at the moment in several industries where um, they have a, a mindfulness speaker come in. And, it's a start, though, isn't it? Oh, it's a, it's a start, but it's no use if, if you go in and talk to people about managing stress and everybody in that room knows that the person who organized me or you or whoever it might be to go in and speak is going to still be firing out emails at 11 o'clock tonight. It completely defeats the purpose of asking somebody to come in.
0: I interviewed Rory Clayton and he said one thing, which is correct. A fish rots from the head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. But here's, here's. I don't know whether you'll agree with this, but I'll be a little bit con- controversial. Okay. There's quite a number of companies out there who are now being run or getting the opportunity to be run by women. Okay. The male ego has had its time you know, it's perceived that it hasn't worked in maybe just financial services. And now there is a glut of, of female CEOs, which is absolutely fantastic. Personally, I'm delighted to see. But there's research out there that will tell you that some companies will promote women into senior positions in order to see them fail after there has been a period of you know untold carnage the men have had an opportunity they pop a woman in there and then and and, and, and i believe the the term that they use for that is um uh um glass cliff i don't know you ever heard but it's that. shocking
0: look yeah, my, my sister was a very highly successful business person in this country. And she knew in the 70s that she had to meander around the men, you know, corporations, you know, dress like the men and, you know, act like the men. And she was tough, but outside of the work, she was lovely, you know, but she had to put this thing on this persona but but she would say to me you know she'd rather work with men because when women work together she said they were complete bitches
1: i think that depends on i think that depends on the
0: environment but i've i've asked that question to other women and they've said oh look yeah you know i get on but you'll get sometimes that women will bitch about other women now People will go mad about this or whatever, but you also get men bitching about. Yeah, absolutely, men. So <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's it's not like yeah. one side the other side. It's it's equal opportunity. But here here's the one thing I'll ask you. Right? Has leadership gone from one pendulum and is it swinging to the other where there is no leadership, or it's the wrong leadership, or people are you know let when everybody says everything it's agreed and no one disagrees because no one wants to hurt anyone's feelings and you don't learn by people agreeing with you all the time you learn by your mistakes and how can you learn by your mistakes if everyone is giving everyone high fives
1: and (laughs) yeah well listen first thing please don't misunderstand but the executives in the c-suite still suffer the same levels of stress as the rest of us if not more right and people think that people think that the, people think that they don't they have a huge you know heavy workload long hours. you know a little bit of job insecurity they still have conflicts with their with their co-workers the same as anybody at any level okay only they've got more responsibility for the major decisions that that are made in a company. So when we talk about mistakes, sometimes what's bandied around is it's okay to make a mistake and it and it is okay to make a mistake. But at what level are we talking about of a mistake that you know financially can cripple a company? Dublin Airport, as an example. Okay. Mistakes have been made there in um in Firing or making lots of people redundancy without adequate planning. Well, then,
0: then is it a case that Irish companies are only with technology and everything that we have at the moment, right, is making companies live in the moment. But companies haven't got the strategy thinking to look over the hill to see what's coming
1: and are living in the moment. It's living in the moment. It's short-term thinking for the benefit, as I keep saying to people, the benefit of the shareholders, okay, that a CEO will go into a job for maybe, you know, three to five years, will make decisions for those three to five years, and then they'll be gone. But the long-term implication of those decisions and the stress that that causes on the people who work in the company, right, where you're being asked, to do more with less all the time is what adds to, you know, the stress of the occupational managers and and the agents on the telephone or whatever it might be, because you can't keep giving you can't keep growing a company and cutting the staff and asking people to do more with less and not expect there to be some kind of mental effect on the people that work in your company.
0: Okay, so there's two issues then with most companies. There's multiple issues at a company or multiple touch points that a company needs to look at. So you mentioned two there, right? One is money, okay? And the other one then is people, right? And people can be broken down into all shareholders or stakeholders, right? But you have to then break down into okay, we've got our customer, which really we need to focus on, but then we have our staff. So where's the balance between providing good customer care, keeping the company afloat financially, and looking after our staff? So start with the staff
1: and look after the staff. Communicate with them, know where you're going, pay them well, give them good benefits, and they will look after the customers, okay? Um. Trying to work in, in a company where the technology doesn't support the products that you sell. So you end up with a load of workarounds in the back that people have to kind of You know, it takes ages. You buy a product and you think it was great online, but behind it, there's 20 steps to make it go live by somebody in an office, is an extremely stressful place to be. Okay. So if you're going to, if you're going to have a successful company, you have to make sure that the technology supports what the marketing and the sales guys are going to sell. But you have
0: companies who, have been given KPIs and be given products let's call them upsell products and if they don't speak add or list these products onto the customer they're given out to so it's now about metrics and the if we're talking about the team that are speaking in front of with the client, are more worried that they're going to get a bollocking if they don't introduce A, B, and C to the customer. So the conversation between themselves and the customer is no longer fluid because they know if they throw this in without ticking that box, they're going to get a kick in the arse, which causes stress and anxiety and gets people to leave
1: and and Joe it really alienates the customer
0: it's no longer a customer orientated business
1: it's it's a profit it's profit that's yeah. all but the good companies now are changing the way if you look at you know at the call centre environment and I, I said you know I, I managed eight European countries for complaints for a, a major car rental company years ago so it eight multilingual call centers and administration centers. Okay. And yes, we, you know, we had, we had things that we wanted people to say because they were dealing with complaints, but they had to listen to the customer and they had to solve the customer's problem. I would have set up a call center for a a financial institution in Ireland many, many years ago. And the idea that was to solve the customer's problem. But we gave people a script and we asked them to kind of follow a script, but nowadays those scripts are all being um, forced upon organizations through regulation, through different regulatory bodies that insist that you have to tell the customer X, Y, and Z, okay? So you do that and some of the customers don't understand that, they don't want to listen to that, they get annoyed with the person on the on the other end of the telephone, um, and then if somebody is going through a script and it sounds like a script, you you know that that's not personal.
0: Yeah, but the script, if it's not practice, is a script. But if it's practice and practice and
1: practiced. Your personality coming yeah, through. Yeah, you so through the, it. Yeah. So that's just a teaching part. But the stress from somebody where, you know, the next time somebody rings a call center and they're told that the calls may be monitored for training purposes. Keep in mind that when somebody listens back to that, they are going to say, sorry, Joe forgot to say to Brian A, B, C, and D, and he's he's going to get it, you know, he's going to get mentioned. It's not going to, most of the time it's going to be, you didn't do this, this, and this. Um, it's not that I thought you were very empathetic and I thought you listened to that customer and thanks very much for solving that problem. It's going to be, in some case in some cases, not the all, but you didn't do this, this, and this, and you didn't close the sale and you didn't cross sell something or whatever it might be not all companies are like that and the companies who are doing well are the companies who are giving the people on in the call centers and um, the autonomy to be able to deliver for the customer and those are the people now who are seeing less stress levels because they're coming away at the end of the day feeling i love working for this company i don't mind taking a call from a customer because i can make a decision to give a customer a refund Or not or whatever it might be and get something done and they begin to you know as i said when you journal down what do you love about your job they're able to write down some stuff some things that they love about the job and in those companies they have managers uh, who are coming along and telling people all the great things that they're doing they're not honing in on what they call the weaknesses they will give some feedback okay but it's not where the person goes out of the room and they're destroyed, and they think that oh my god, the next time I get a phone call, I have to, I have to do X, Y, and Z, right? I have to, I have to do it in a certain way, and then, you know, they forget because they're so stressed, and then they're they're uh, uh, under more pressure. But that can that can alleviate the pressure of the people working in the company. But there's far too many companies still out there to go back to our, the initial part of our discussion where. Really, really good people that are paid very well are working at a hundred miles an hour. They cannot see the wood for the trees. Okay. And they just feel like I need to get out of here.
0: Okay. Well then there's also twenty percent of companies are focused on fixing the wrong problem. They may think it's something else within the organization that needs to be fixed when it really is the relationship between themselves and their staff working on that customer care with a customer. And we all, I say to people that don't suffer stress and they look at me and, and like we all suffer stress, but when I get, get it, I have a coping mechanism which deflects it. So I'll, it'll hit me and I go, oh, hang on, that's hit me and I'll, I'll alchemize it because I know it's only a thought in my head and it, and if there's a situation that's causing stress to someone, first they look at in my belief is, and this is what I do. What's causing the stress? Okay. What's causing it? The causing is this, 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 this uncomfortable feeling is being caused by this okay so what is causing this oh okay so that's causing the uncomfortable feeling how do I change that and then it's putting a solution in place for to fix it and learning from it so you know that it doesn't happen again and when it does when it does Happen again, it's a case of going, you're able to fix it quicker because you've practiced
1: it, and you're right. And that's a positive cycle as opposed to you know the vicious circle that people are in at the moment that are suffering from stress. So, um, coping me- mechanisms like an anchoring, teaching people how to anchor themselves like,
0: yeah, what would you do? What what? If
1: someone comes to you and go, Brian,
0: I'm burnt out, I'm stressed. I hate me, boss. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hate no, they don't say that joke. <laughs> yeah. You know, all joking aside, if someone comes to, you know, first, do they admit to you that I'm burnt out? Or is it, are they, what are they, do you ask them, what are you searching for?
1: I do. I do. I ask them what's going on. What you know, what do they want to get out of life? What does success look like? Right for them you know and as a person you know you know a lot about me where I you know survived seven armed robberies in a banking career and suffered mental exhaustion in 2010 in a very well paid job but I allowed myself and the thoughts in my head to to make me feel that I needed more I needed more I needed more I was running at 100 miles an hour lots of people I see in that situation today so getting them to slow down and do exactly what you said what does success look like for you? How happy are you? Because sometimes they just want to be happy. Identifying who, who's causing distress and giving them some coping mechanisms to be able to identify it and deal with it, okay? So in a grounding, in a grounding exercise, I might ask the person, you know, to, go, to just to go outside. The next time they're feeling stressed in the office or even after I would have a coaching session with them to go outside and to look at the sky, you know, to see what they can smell, to see what they can touch. So that all of a sudden to breathe, They calm themselves down. That, you know, that they anchor and um, your your great pal, Denise Devlin, gave me a fantastic um. Uh, run through in grounding and the grounding exercise and I have my own specific one that goes back to the 80s and anytime I get overstressed I go back there a place where I felt happy I felt safe and things were great and it calms me and it gives me an opportunity to be able to um, reframe my thinking at that time because we get to a point where we're worried about what's going to happen what's going to happen what's going to happen nothing's Gonna happen. You're afraid to go in and tell your boss something. You've made a mistake. You don't want to tell someone. Giving a person the confidence to be able to go in and do that is a huge step for that person to be able to face their fears and start the road to actually getting through managing the stress, so that they don't have to fear. They don't have to get those feelings of fear and anger and you know shame. Which again are all part of our limiting beliefs and what we have in our mind from the time that we're kids. And you mentioned earlier imposter syndrome. Okay, but lots of people don't. they, They don't see that at the time, and through asking open questions, we can get them to kind of, you know, come up with the answers themselves. Be able to identify what's causing the stress, and then say, okay, well, how are we now going to manage that? And the chances are in In quite a number of cases that I've helped people, there has been one person in their corporate world that has caused most of the stress for them okay um so one person that when they actually go and talk to that person and explain how they feel and that's be honest sometimes people will accept that and be shocked and go i didn't realize that you know you saw me as a manager like that i didn't feel i didn't know i was putting you under that much pressure let's work let's build a relationship let's let's be better but if your manager isn't open to that well then you go and you 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 go over their head okay before you ever talk or think about walking away from a job because the chances are that you have a fantastic reputation in an organisation of doing great work, okay? And nobody's telling you. And if you decide to leave, people are going to go, why did Brian go? What What the hell has happened?
0: It makes me think about there is a generation that, like we've all through generations vote with our feet, right? But I think there's a generation that because, you know, they communicate through text and, you know, don't like using the phone and everything is by messenger that those are the people that don't have the courage to speak, to even cancel a hair appointment or to cancel a dentist or, you know, they don't like to do it because everything is through text. People that break up relationships. Do by text. text. <laughs> you know, yeah. so they're the ones that we have to nurture and say it's okay to use your voice
1: and it's okay to say, "Talk to me," and that's why it's really important, Joe, that managers in the workforce today recognise that that they're trained. To understand the different types of Gen Z, whatever it might be that they have in their workforce, because everybody is different now in the way in which they, you know, their belief systems and the way in which they want to communicate um, is different. But as you said, any manager who can put their arm around somebody and tell them they are doing great and ask them 10-minute check-ins, not, you know, wait until once a month or wait until the end of the year telling somebody that they had a crap year. 10-minute conversations with people, see how's it going? What did you like last week? What, what ticked you off last week? Anything we can do differently is powerful to be able to keep people and keep stress levels um, as they are. But always remember that in any organization, what is it they say? We, we all get promoted to our level of incompetence. Okay, The fantastic salesman gets promoted to be a manager and turns out to be a brutal manager because he's a fantastic salesman or woman or whatever it might be. So we need to do more, more training in mindfulness, in uh, communication, in managing stress. And that starts with workshops with the managers, honest workshops with the managers and the CEOs where they can identify their stress and see how that's perpetuated down the line. And then do the same for the people that work in the company, and they will see the improvement in the bottom line of of the uh, the balance sheet with less staff turnover and better performance in in their organisation. True. If they take True. it seriously,
0: Brian. If someone wants to reach out to you, is the best place to get you at LinkedIn or? Is yeah, this- you can get
1: me get me on LinkedIn. Uh, brian kennedy or you can check me out at bjkenomotivation.com
0: where i do my uh my coaching and you your your posts are uh, enjoyable i should <laughs> say your weekly post and uh, i do enjoy them each and every week well, I, and I, I like, like coming on the show i liked your comment yesterday thank you <laughs> yeah thanks a million joe appreciate it thank you And yes, folks, and that's Brian. And, you know, our next guest is Jana London, and she's going to be talking about an event she's having uh, this week, is Celebration of Womanhood. And I look forward to talking to her after the break. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, Crossing the Rubicon. Yes, and that was Brian Kennedy. And yes, as Brian has been a guest on the radio many times before, a man of many years of experience and knowledge. So You know, listen to what he says about burnout and respect. And talking about burnout and respect, we have Janet London on the line today. And she's having a special event here in Dublin on Thursday. And it's all about women. Women, the respect that we should have. As I always say, women should feel safe in this country to walk the streets. And so should our children. And men are here to protect
2: them. I'm a mum of two young kids and I have organised an event to celebrate womanhood on 7-7, 7th of July at 12 o'clock in Dublin and it will be held outside of Leinster House on the Kildare Street side.
0: Tell me this, started this because of the work-life balance bill which you feel and a lot of people do as well and the more women I ask about this, about maternity rights and why have you decided to celebrate womanhood?
2: The first reason it's a celebration is because I believe it's a celebration because women already have rights. Women are a powerful force. We are protectors. We are nurturers. And therefore, we're not protesting or asking the government to give us what we already have. We're celebra- celebrating the power of womanhood. And the second part, I suppose, of, of the reason for the celebration is um, the bill to be passed in the Actus goes further uh, than the EU directive. Uh, under heading 10, 11 and 12, it will delete any reference in the Maternity Protection Acts to female, woman, she and her. So that includes the mothers, the grannies, the aunties, the daughters in Ireland. And the reason they're doing that is so that transgender males can avail of breastfeeding and maternity leave. You know, it's not to me, it's not about inclusion. Inclusion does not mean exclusion or divisiveness. So this is, is erasing women. And I believe after if this gets through, the, the steps that follow will be even more detrimental to women and girls in this country.
0: Yeah, and we have to be very clear about that. It's not about segregation and it's, it's, it's actually it's about inclusion. So it's the language that's being used is wrong. Um, I know that there is a lot of women that I have spoken to. They are saying, I'm not, I'm I'm a woman, I'm not a birth person. Everyone out there, we all have mothers and we all have grandmothers, and and we some of us have girls um who are our kids. So I think it's important that the language that's being used has to be correct. One of the things which I kind of question is that the government or the state, we have lawyers who look at legislation or look at changes, and I'm surprised they haven't gone, hang on, this language is not inclusion, but it's actually removing women um, from the legislation. Have you thought about that yourself?
2: I have thought about that and I've gone on the uh, the Aractus website and I've looked for discussion on this. I've looked for debate the last time I looked at uh, last week. There was nothing for the public to see about this. This came to my attention through a very small group of lawyers that do volunteer work in addition to running their own practices or working for their own nonprofits. And um, the lawyers for Justice Ireland contacted me about this bill and said, you know, that people don't know this is happening. Would you like to do something about it? So the event the, was inspired by this group of lawyers who do work on a volunteer basis and work for the basic, the human rights of the people in ireland and don't earn money from it did some research and, and sure enough it, it appears that it, it is happening or, or they're trying to make it happen why the lawyers and why the the woman uh public representatives aren't jumping on this i'm not sure a couple have spoken out uh an independent sharon kiogan speaks out quite a bit on woman being silenced because she's been silenced uh, quite a bit herself uh by her male counterparts so uh, it's just—it seems to be happening under the radar, Joe, and I'm—I'm I'm not sure why that would be, since women are over 51% of the population.
0: Why? Why does it matter that the language has been changed?
2: Why it matters to my own personal view is if we erase so defining, you know, a biological biological female is female, adult human female is woman and a a human female child is a girl. If we erase woman, she, her and girl from legislation, this is the start of it, then all of a sudden it becomes the normal that these words get erased from society. And then when we go down the path of the news that came out this week, whereby Helen McEntee wants to teach sexuality, not sexual education, that's a different thing. Helen McEntee wants to roll out uh, in schools. And that is very different to sex education, which is biological. To me, rolling out sexuality education in primary schools when kids at that age five and six are just learning the alphabet and basic irish words and and maths, for them to get their heads around sexuality and start to be confused about gender and their own personal identity i believe will be very harmful and detrimental to a child's well-being and mental health
0: Yeah, I think children are just figuring out, you know, who they are and, you know, learning the world around them. And my own opinion is that anything to do with sex education should be left till either sixth class or going into first year um, of a school. And I don't think it's, it's something which is, in my opinion, appropriate for younger children. Um, And, you know, if, if anybody agrees or disagrees with that, I, I, you know, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Um, and it's interesting that we have to be vigilant, um, of what is going on, good or bad. So we can actually say, I agree or disagree and let, let the people know how we feel about it. One of the other things, um, I want to ask you about as well, is this day that you're having, is what is the mood of women out there, like the women you speak to, the mothers you speak to, you know, the grandmothers you speak to, what's their thoughts on this?
2: It's very, very mixed, Joe. I think if you were to ask me this question six months ago, the answer would be very different. But I think now we have a split, at least in the group, large group of women that I know and all of the networks that I am in and you know, mummy groups, et cetera. Half the women are very concerned and they know that children are not ready for this information. They They don't believe women should be erased. They're very concerned about it. They're angry about it. There's high emotions. They want to take action to stop it. Then there's another part of the the, the woman group who are in a real state of of denial about what this means. So, you know, I have groups of friends who think that, you know, oh, it's great to teach children diversity and kindness and inclusion and sexuality. And isn't it beautiful? And but it's trying to help parents make that connection that, you know, kids kids will be confused by this and it will be the group of vulnerable kids, particularly ones who maybe haven't quite found themselves that will be the group of kids most damaged if this comes into schools and um, if the biological female becomes erased in society or maybe the biological male becomes erased in the in the future that will really be confusing to kids but to answer your question half are angry and concerned I think there's some that are still in a state of denial as to what the effects will be. So what's the compromise? I think the the compromise is letting parents parent in their own way, but not allowing the, the powers in the public and the schools to put this into the faces of every child, when really when it's something so delicate and so unique and in the future. So let kids be. Let kids be kids. They're born full. We don't need to fill children up.
0: I know there's a great documentary, which I've seen clips of it online, and I've seen clips on on some of the news channels in America and in Australia about what is a woman, and it's really hitting home to ask those questions. So look, this is a very, you could say, very delicate uh, situation and probably needs more information than the government just striking a pen with a vote and going, this is it. Because I think, as you say, it's the celebration of woman womanhood. And to celebrate this, you are having an event, as you say, on the 7th of the 7th at 12 noon outside Leinster House. And you want all women, all men um, who celebrate Uh, womanhood to turn up in the day and I believe you'll have speakers and you'll have a musician and so it's it's it's, it is a celebration
2: it sure is Joe we have uh, three musicians coming from around the country we have Limerick, Donegal, Meath we have great speakers we have a lawyer grandmother of 17 grandkids uh, a parent being myself we have a teacher there so really a broad group of speakers to share their views on this this very sensitive topic and it should be a very lively day with the live music and uh, a really happy celebration to really show the public representatives that we will not be erased you will not silence us we don't give you permission to erase us and we're going to be there strong and and in full force to to celebrate
0: Jenna London thank you for coming on my pleasure
2: thanks Joe. What if
0: you could have a sustainable business without the liquidity concerns and make your company more profitable? Curious? Check out our tried and tested proven client acquisition formula. Go to www.joedalton.ie
1: and book your free consultation now.